Good afternoon, Dr. Daniel Guerra here with Authentic Biochemistry. We are now in chapter number two of HLA diseases, including neuropathologies. Today is 5 October, it's a Thursday, 2023. So let us begin with our discussion. We were talking about a paper published in Actor Neuropathology about the Nasu Hakola disease, or NHD. And we were mentioning the fact that the animal, uh, I guess you would call it model, for studying TREM2 mutations. Remember, TREM2 is one of two gene products that are associated not just with NHD, but with many other neuropathologies. Um, the studies done in the animal models for TREM2 do not end up with a phenotype that we observe as Nasuhakola in humans. So this paper was using induced pluripotent stem cells, right? And that was the whole purpose of me going through this paper. So human stem cell models are really useful for doing biochemistry because you can generate cell lineages that differentiate into multiple different systems. And when you have differentiated cells from induced pluripotent stem cells, you can, you can produce multiple copies of cells that can be used for research. And that's what they did here. Because they didn't have a good model for NHD. Now, whether or not the stem cell models themselves are really the best um, next approximation to the authentic disease. This is a particular disease that's linked to microglia, remember, in the patient's central nervous system, particularly in the prefrontal uh, lobe, but also in the basal ganglia. Remember all that? Um, is still in question, but it's a better accounting for NHD disease, making these induced microglia from patients' fibroblasts. Okay, so that's how this whole thing was done. So they used induced pluripotent stem cells to derive microglia-like cells. These are called IMGLs. And they got the original cells from two families uh, that were affected by NHD. So the three affected individuals are homozygous or TREM2 mutation. Now that was the one called P, I was calling it O, but it's actually PQ33X, that particular mutation. They also used to, to generate these cells, two unaffected heterozygous TREM2 PQ33X parents and a healthy sibling that is homozygous for the wild-type allele. They also had two more controls uh, that were unrelated to the uh, patients with NHD, and those were essentially TREM2 wild types. Okay? Now, what the PQ33X mutation does is introduce a stop codon. So it's subject to nonsense-mediated decay. So what that means in the end is there's no TREM2 
protein product. That's why the disease is so severe. So they use transcriptional profiling and functional analyses of TREM2PQ33X mutation to show that it leads directly to a dysregulation of lysosomal function, including alterations in lipid metabolism and, of course, a microglial activation. And that all that phenotype recapitulates what occurs in brain tissues from NHD patients. So they go on to admit that possibly after their paper, targeting lysosomal dysfunction uh, in either an mTOR-dependent or independent manner will rescue potential lysosomal lipid and activation state defects caused by TREM2. So they, they have a whole lot on their plate, right? But let's go into more detail of how this whole thing is done. Because, you know, it's authentic biochemistry. So induced pluripotent stem cell-derived microglia are generated. And I told you where they got the original cells from. And they find, by studying transcriptomics and other biochemical analyses, that the IMGLs, these are the induced microglia, from the NHD patients did indeed exhibit lysosomal dysfunction, downregulation of cholesterol genes, that's an interesting point that we'll talk about, and an associate reduced lipid droplet production in the microglia, making them relatively inactive, you understand. All this is because of the trem mutation. Okay? These NHD IMGLs also showed defective activation and HLA antigen presentation. So this is linked to an HLD, um, HLA, excuse me, um, proteinopathy. Right? So TREM1, let's talk about TREM1 and where that comes from, then we'll add in TREM2. TREM1 has been shown, that's the protein, critical role in inflammatory response to infection with the expression of TREM1 increased on myeloid cells in response to infection. This is both bacterial and fungal. Same thing was observed in the mouse model. And you can induce the activation of the microglia through the TREM1 pathway using LPS. LPS actually induces an expression of TREM1. And in fact, treatment of mice with a soluble TREM1 fusion protein as a decoy receptor will protect mice from death due to LPS. So LPS will kill mice if, it, if there's enough uh, of an induction. So it shows that it's a direct association. So TREM1 is upregulated by infection, and blockade reduces death in a model, a murine model, published back in 2003 for septic shock. Okay? Now, in contrast to TREM1, human TREM2 is not constitutively expressed on neutrophils or on monocytes macrophages, including microglia. In fact, its expression is induced specifically on human dendritic cells grown from blood monocytes. 
by culture with GMCSF, calling stimulating factor, and the uh, cytokine interleukin 4. Not using LPS, you see. So stimulation of TREM2 on the surface of these cells, uh, these dendritic cells, which are also innate immune cells, which can do antigen presentation B, HALA, remember. TREM2 being stimulated on, on the dendritic cells upregulates the chemokine CCR7, which is actually the receptor for CCL19. And that is a EBI1 ligand chemokine, also known as the macrophage, macrophage inflammatory protein 3-beta. Another protein that's upregulated by TREM2 is CCL21. And we see this in secondary lymphoid tissues as a common chemokine. Remember, chemokines um, regulate trafficking of innate cells to a site of infection or tumor. Okay, so this whole process of TREM2 suggests that it's associated with controlling the migration of dendritic cells to lymph nodes. So humans deficient in TREM2, as we were just describing to you, develop NHD, which is a degenerative brain disease with bone cysts, is another presentation. Now that's clinically similar to a small uh, population of humans that lack DAP12. Remember, that's the other protein the phenocopies of TREM2. Now, the DAP12 deficient humans is less dramatic brain degeneration and bone spur production. Now, this was uh, recapped in the mouse model. So it looks like TREM2 is the most potent of the mutated polypeptides on the surface of macrophage microglia from the 2023 paper we were covering that are significant for the NHD, that particular disease. Okay? So I wanted to bring back that 2003 paper to let you know where all this comes from. Now, the TREM2 is working through a certain type of HLA, human leukocyte antigen. Remember, this is the MHC cluster in humans antigen presentation. Now, the HLA-DRB5, remember, belongs to the HLA class 2 beta chain paralogs. That particular class is a hetero, forms heterodimers consisting of an alpha and a beta chain. That's draw, DRA and DRB, okay? And they are anchored, again, I told you, in the membrane, the plasma membrane. Now, the role of HLA-DRB5 is in the immune system by presenting peptides derived from extracellular polypeptides. So the class II molecules are expressed in antigen-presenting cells, as I've said. The beta chain is pretty small, 26-28 kildaltons, and the gene itself is a 6-exon composite. So exon 1 encodes a leader peptide. Exons 2 and 3 encode the two extracellular domains. 
Exon 4 encodes the transmembrane domain. Exon 5, the cytoplasmic region. These are all significant because remember how the TREM2, we went through its discussion as well. Similar type, similar type of protein, right? Uh, along with these uh, HLA-DR DR proteins, right? And so remember the HLA will bind to peptides and then expose them on the surface for um, recognition by, for example, an antibody-producing B now plasma cell or, of course, T-cell receptor. All right? All right. So I want you to know about that. Much no more detail where HLA comes in. Now, study was done, oh, in the mid-2015-2016 range. It was called the Vanta-85. The Vanta-85 Plus is a population-based study that included over 600 participants that were very elderly, greater than 85 years old. There were 256 of the 600 who were neuropathologically examined. They, in this study found, in the Vanta 85 study, 29 Alzheimer's disease risk loci, in addition to the APOE Epsilon 4, which of course is a risk loci. And they then study those other loci separately and use the uh, data as a covariate for uh, variation analysis. So genotyping is perform was performed back then using SNP arrays. And the particip participants with consortium to establish a registry in Alzheimer's disease, that's called the CIRAD, uh, which are all patients that have neuritic A-beta plaques, okay? Some also had the BRAC, which is the neurofibrillary tau tangle pathology. They also had the same patients, a smaller group of them, not all 600, capillary A-beta protein, which means the A-beta protein is not just confined to the central nervous system, but it's in the capillaries. Okay. So they were looking at cerebral amyloid angi angiopathies, and they looked, used that as a percentage to analyze as the continuous variable for disease progression. Now, here are the results of this paper. This paper came out in Neuro Neurology Genetics in uh, 2018. 24 of the 29 loci were associated with one or more Alzheimer's disease-related neuropathological features in either single nucleotide polymorphisms or by imputing the data related to those other loci. Okay. 15 loci fit that SARAD score. The odds ratios were better than 2.5 all the way across the board. Okay. The HLA DRB5 associated with TREM2 as another protein mutation risk factor in this study called the Vanta study looking at Alzheimer loci. The other protein with the TREM2 interacted with was the HLA-DRB5, but only in patients that had 
capillary A beta pathophenotype. Okay, so that means more advanced. So that's the conclusion that came out of that paper. I wanted to put that together for you because I wanted you to know about the fact that a lot of these diseases have so much overlap, these neuropathologies have so much overlap, that during the course of a study, by examining which genes uh, seem to be underexpressed or overexpressed, which genes seem to have common mutations, uh, and this, and first of all, can be looked at just from single nucleotide polymorphisms, like the 2018 paper I just told you about. We find out that the pathologies then overlap with other diseases, and this is what happened. This is why I'm bringing this up. The pathologies of that DRB and that um, TREM2, while they were looking at Alzheimer's, now you know, 2023 paper jumping again ahead five years is more linked to the NHD, right? Remember that particular disease, which is a TREM2 missense mutation, right? You get no TREM2 activity in the uh, homozygous recessive fully expressing NHD patient population, right? Now, let's go back to this 23.3 paper because that's where we are now. I wanted to give you a little bit of detail of how these cells are generated for the study. Remember, we're making, we're taking induced PSCs, those are stem cells, and we're going to convert, and the and the researchers are going to convert them into hematopoietic precursor cells, and then ultimately into induced microglial cells carrying the lesion from the patients where the cells were isolated from initially. So you're getting stem cell populations from the, from the patients. And now you're going to make a massive amount of microglia in culture so they can study the biochemistry and the physiology of those cells in vitro. Okay, so this is the 2023 paper. Okay. So human fibroblasts, they start with human fibroblasts, are transduced, now the fibroblast comes from the patients, right, with a non-integrating Sendai virus carrying the four factors which cause induced pluripotent stem cell initial dedifferentiation. What are those factors? Remember, that's the OCT3-4 protein, SOX2, KLF4, and CMYK. Now, of course, the genes for those are coded um, in that Sendai virus, and then the proteins are expressed upon uh, transformation of the cell. That's the way that works. That's the way you transform fibroblasts into IPC, IPCs. That, excuse me, IPSCs. Okay? So after they do that, after they give it that cocktail of OC3, SOX2, KLF4, and CMEC, single colonies showing morphological evidence of reprogramming, this is done with both flow cytometry and also with microscopy, are, become isolated, and then they isolate from that population human-induced pluripotent stem cells. And then they culture those. And you can freeze them and keep them in the freezer at minus 80 for quite a bit of time. 
They took the facels then out of the freezer and they put them back in culture. And the cells were constantly tested for potential contamination with mycoplasma, which we have to do with these cell lines always. If they're contaminated with mycoplasma, obviously they're going to uh, generate uh, a disease state and they're going to be useless. Right? So just constantly have to keep that pressure on them. So what's next? Okay. They took these IPSCs, thawed them, diluted them in buffer, spun them down, and cultured them. Tested for microplasma, looked for chromosomal abnormalities by karyotyping. That's just simply looking at uh, DNA copy number. And, of course, they look for the TREM2 mutation status. Remember, they're looking for both uh, different populations when I say both. Homozygous and heterozygous for the TREM2 PQ33X mutation. So they just use Sanger sequencing on that focus. The IPC, IPSCs are then differentiated finally into the hematopoietic precursor cells. Those are the HPCs. And they, again, those cells can be stored in liquid nitrogen until they're ready to do the IMGL induction. So they do this by culturing CD43 positive HPCs in an IPSC microglial medium. Now, the medium has your typical carbon sources, nitrogen sources, etc. But to induce these IPSCs to become microglia, by differentiating into microglia, they used interleukin-34, TGF-beta-1, and MCSF. Okay? So those were the inducers. Those are pro-inflammatory cytokines. And they finally then looked for protein and lipid that are similar to what is found in the central nervous system, added that to the microglial medium to mimic a brain-like milieu because it's, they found it necessary to use polypeptides and lipids normally found in microglia, right? Because when, when that's not available, the cells don't respond the same way. So this work was done very, very well. I was very impressed with it. So they did analyses. They looked at the different uh, NHD families. And they looked at the specific mutations, and they mapped those mutations into these now produced, induced microglia cells. Okay, And so they tested that they were really microglia. They already knew they had the TREM2 mutations, heterozygous or homozygous, remember. But then they used surface markers to make sure that they were looking for microglia. So they used various kinds of antibodies to detect proteins on the surface of the microglia and use flow cytometry, fluorescence flow cytometry. Okay? And they were looking for cell surface markers for the microglia like, wait for it, H-L-A-D-R, okay? They also look for CD14, CD80, CD86, CD11B, really important microglia uh, marker, also macrophage, I should mention. And so when all of that worked out, and then they once again took those cells, if they did on flow cytometry, 
increased that population, went back in and made sure that the TREM2 mutation was still there. And it was. Okay. So now they got a TREM2 heterozygous or homozygous for the mutation that stopped codon from patients' original fibroblasts, now in microglia-like cells in culture. Okay. Now, here are some basic results. The genes that are upregulated in the NHD brain are enriched in pathways associated with, obviously, pro-inflammatory responses linked to immune activation. So what kind of what kind of proteins are upregulated in NHD brains and what kind of inflammatory cytokines could be pheno, pathophenocopied with these microglia in uh, vitro? Pro-inflammatory cytokines include interleukin-8, interleukin-18, interleukin-6 receptor, TGF-beta, and interleukin-17 receptor A. And for antigen presentation molecules in these microglia, they look for IRF8, CD86, and I already told you HLA happens to be the DPB1, which is nothing more than an HLA-DRA. They look for the chemokines, which you would expect to find here in microglia associated. So CXCL2, CXCL12 and CXCL16. So this, the all this phenotype of the cytokines and chemokines and antigen-presenting cells are what they were able to find already from post-mortem brain tissues from NHD uh, patients. Okay, and Linking the amount of the chemokines, cytokines, growth factors, and HLA presentation on microglia from brain tissues, from the postmortem analyses, to showing that that is involved in immune cell activation and inflammation, all consistent with a dysregulation of the pathway. And this was phenocopied and mimicked in the IMGLs they generated. Remember, those are the induced microglia cells from the patients, okay, with this neurodegenerative disease associated, again, with, with specific mutations that we've been talking about, the TREM2 missense mutation, the stop codon, okay? So part of this research, more than half of it, was to be sure they could pick up a phenotype from the cells that they generated that closely biochemically um, copy the phenotype from post-mortem brain tissues from people who died from NHD, right? This severe neurological disorder associated with Trump mutation. So they got that accomplished really well. They even show that the IMGLs would respond in an exaggerated way by production of pro-inflammatory cytokines, chemokines, etc., when they used, yes, lipopolysaccharide. Remember, this whole system is turned on by bacterial and fungal pathogen-associated molecular patterns, right? Told you this whole process is essentially working through the pattern recognition receptor motif, okay? So 
among the down-regulated genes in NHD brains and also in these induced microglia cells is in pathways involved in the activation of mitogen-activated protein kinase-mediated cascade and the NF-kappa-B pathway. That includes MAP kinases, by the way. Now, the ATP6AP2 and LAMP2, which are involved in lysosomal acidification, and this is obviously to remove bacteria, right? And light and or fungal infection and lysosomal protein degradation, right? Were significantly absent or severely downregulated in the NHD brain compared to the control. Okay. So, and they these tissues were generated postmortem from the hippocampus. So, uh, from from these patients. So, um, dysregulated genes obviously reflect changes in brain cell types associated with the microglia, which is what they also wanted to demonstrate the whole purpose of using these induced microglial cells, right? And so they found a very good correlation here. And they used RNA-seq and whatnot uh, even on some of the postmortem specimens to find out what kind of RNA was being generated. And indeed, they found the same proteins down-regulated in the postmortem tissues that are being down-regulated from their induced microglia. Okay. They also found that these genes, the OLR1 and LRP1, that are directly involved in lipid metabolism were also down 